You are listening to the Retirement Remix Podcast with award-winning financial advisor, host, author, and founder of a thriving financial planning company, Chip Munn. Here you'll get a regular dose of real-life retirement stories and inspiration from incredible, unique people just like you. Each episode features interviews with entrepreneurs, local business owners, CEOs, world travelers, and community leaders. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. Welcome back to the Retirement Remix. I'm your host, Chip Lund, and today I'm joined by Wes Gay. Wes runs Wayfinder, which is a story brand certified agency, and he's also uh, been a contributor for Forbes.com focused on the millennial workforce. Wes, welcome to the show. Hey, Chip. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Wes, you and I have known each other for uh, a long time. You've helped us with our website and and some things like that. But for the benefit of our listeners, tell us a little bit about you and how you got here. Yeah. So, I, I, I just said I run Wayfinder, a story brand certified agency. You and I met a little over three years ago because of StoryBrand. Uh, StoryBrand is a marketing framework that teaches takes seven fundamental elements of storytelling and then creates a filter for you to filter through marketing, sales, you know, any kind of communication through it. So, what we do is we help organizations understand and implement that in that framework in their marketing, sales, and even their customer success or customer service. And it includes things like websites, digital marketing, sales enablement, sales training, things like that. Ultimately, what we do is we help people figure out what they need to say and how they need to say it so their customers will actually buy from them. Now, you didn't always do that. So no. when, we, when we met you know, three years ago, you were... You were doing some writing, doing some different mm-hmm. things. What did, what did you do before? Because one of the things I want to talk about is kind of the transition that you've made. But what, what did you do before that? Uh, so immediately before I was unemployed, so I filled out job applications um, and for about six months. But before that, I spent about 10 years working in uh, churches and nonprofits. So I did that until early 2016 and then... Um, through a long, complicated, slightly ridiculous set of circumstances, wound up unemployed for about six months and then came to a point where uh, I got tired of my unpaid job being to fill out job applications. And I thought, what if what if I go try to do something on my own? And I had dabbled in the freelance kind of entrepreneurship world and not made more than a couple hundred dollars here or there. And then I there's this guy named Donna Miller who wrote the book, Building a Story Brand, and then started the company Story Brand that we've already talked about a little bit. I'd been following him since the mid 2000s when he had first written a, a New York Times bestselling book. He used to write, you know, memoirs, those kind of things. So I'd been following him for about 10 or 11 years and they they had this copywriter certification where they were taking people and walking them through this their framework but also certifying them to go out and take the framework and write copy for folks. So uh, websites, email campaigns, lead magnets, anything like that. Anybody who wanted to grow their business with the story brand framework they basically deployed a force of folks to go out there and help companies do it. And so I, I think it's interesting. So a lot of our episodes so far, Wes, have been with folks who are kind of in a second act career, maybe a little later in, in their career. But I've had a lot of my friends ask about, you know, what about younger folks? And, and so I know that you had done a lot of kind of not only uh, do I think you probably qualify, but also you spend a lot of time studying the millennial Mm -hmm. workforce. So when it comes to looking at, well, I'll start with this. As a younger person, when you Mm -hmm. think about retirement, what does that mean to you? What do you think about? Sure. 
Um, well, what I used to think about for a long time was what a lot of people think about was what I, it was like the 65 shutdown, right? I hit 65 and I just shut down and stay at home and piddle around the garden and play golf and buy an RV and all the things that are, you know, draw the pension for as, as long as my days are in kind of that fourth quarter of life. But I had at some point in my 20s, I don't remember when it was, I started to rethink that idea. And I started to think about retirement more as what well, the current reality of retirement. I just didn't understand it. Be, probably because I think if I was just to stay home all the time with no job, I would be bored out of my mind. And my wife and I would end up in marriage counseling. My wife's grandfather is in his mid 80s. I think he's 83 or 84. And he just la- late last year stopped working full time because he had back problems and couldn't drive. He was, he worked in the car, di- car industry for 50 years. He was still driving cars every day from like Dallas to Houston and back, like sh- between dealers. He knew that even though he was probably 20 years past typical retirement age, he just liked it and it kept him busy and it kept him kind of active and moving. And because of health reasons, he had to stop. But uh, retirement has become in the last few years, particularly something where it's not this, I'm going to turn 65 and shut it down and just hang out on the fourth quarter of life. But instead it's going to be a thing where it's just a different season, but I'll work is definitely part of it. Also, I read the book, um, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, you know, multiple New York times bestseller, still very, very popular on Kindle. I think it's all, it's one of the top three to five books highlighted on Kindle every year. And in it, he talks about this shift in mindset from retirement being a full season of life to taking almost like many retirements. Like how do you, Take a sabbatical every few years for a month or six weeks at a time. How do you, especially if you own a business, how do you weave more of this retirement relaxation into your kind of life planning as opposed to just having retirement be this endpoint, this destination? Uh, so that's where I, that's where my mind has shifted. And I think more and more people are thinking that way, particularly where, you know, younger folks, we're so uncertain about Social Security. We don't know what that's going to look like when we start retiring. The oldest millennials this year turned 40. So they're still 22, 25 years away from retirement age. Who knows what Social Security look like then? The youngest millennials turned 24, 25 this year. So who knows what it'll look like in 40 years when they're ready to start drawing out? So it's a, it's this really interesting thing where we just don't know. And so we're, we're trying to take advantage of, of life now and build in some of those seasons and travel and some of those experiences that people always put off until they're totally retire. The the thing is, especially for people who are owning their own business at a younger age, how do I weave that into my kind of life and business plan now, as opposed to waiting until down the road for it? No doubt. And when I was doing my research for the book, one of the things that, you know, I found, you mentioned earlier about you might drive your wife crazy, I think you said. And <laughs> yeah. I call it the three Ds, you know, that, that if you're not careful that retirement can give you that, that you weren't expecting depression, divorce, and death. You know, uh, there is the, I mean, there's statistics uh, about all three of those, how taking retirement, for example, too early can lead to issues with all of those different, the sedentary lifestyle, not having a, a purpose. And so I, I think that like you, I've seen a lot of younger folks beginning to take that stages approach. So I think that the idea of doing retirement differently is definitely something that you know that younger people ought to be able to spend more time thinking about. I call folks like you, Wes, what I'll call a marathoner. They build their life from early on like it's a marathon, not a sprint. 
and they they pretty specifically once they make the shift like you did in, in your case to to working for yourself they just begin to build it for a a 50 or 60 year period rather than a, a 25 and and it it really shifts a lot of the kinds of things that you can do for you Wes and you, you had I, I guess a period of uncertainty mm-hmm. and, and it sounds to me like and we're in an uncertain time now as as we're recording this dealing with uh, the coronavirus and there are a lot of people who are dealing with uncertainty you decided to use that period after a while to better yourself and to make a change what was the toughest part of making that change for you that's a great question. So I think the toughest part was just not knowing what to do next. Like there's a tendency, and I think we're actually seeing this a little bit right now, particularly with business owners as we're in this middle kind of coronavirus uncertainty as we're recording, is that people are afraid to do anything today because they're thinking, well, what does that mean for six months or five years from now? How is that going to change the trajectory of our company? Who cares at this moment? Like just do what you got to do to pay the bills today. And then we'll figure out tomorrow, tomorrow, and take a day at a time. So for me, it was uh, early on, it was waking up every day going, I don't, ex- I don't know what to do. I don't have a playbook for this. I've never done this. The advice I'm reading online, for the most part, feels like junk. It, or it just doesn't feel like me, right? It doesn't feel like I, I don't want re- to totally change who I am, which I'm not saying it's not a personal growth thing. It's more of like, I just know me and I know what, what I'm going to be best at. So how can I do it in a way that reflects me? Just not knowing anything, right? Everything from... I mean, I remember very early on having to text friends of mine saying, hey, ha- what do you use to collect invoices? I don't know. What do you do for this? What do you, I just didn't know anything. And so it was a mix of having to be a supreme generalist in terms of sales and business development and then doing the work and client management and finance and like all the things. Not really knowing all that, plus the, plus the pressure of we had a six-month-old and a two-year-old at the time. We had been living in my mother-in-law's house due to, a, again, a ridiculous set of circumstances for a while. So we're trying to get out of there, trying to start this thing, trying to move into the season of uncertainty of, I don't know how... I don't know what this business looks like long-term. I don't have a business plan yet. I'm just trying to get paid. I'm just trying to get clients. I'm trying to grow this thing, trying to generate revenue, not only to cover my investment in starting, but also to move forward. So I think the biggest thing was, I just didn't know what to do, particularly not knowing what to do in a way that felt natural and and right for me. And I think that's one of the challenges business owners, entrepreneurs have is they we read all these silly articles and you've seen them where it's like how these 10 Fortune 500 CEOs get more done by 6 a.m. than the average person. It's like, that's just silliness, right? They're making way more money than you and I are. They've got people to handle a lot of this stuff. Like, of course, their lives are a little bit different, right? So it's, that's not helpful to me. But what are the things that I can do that I know are right for me that I know are going to fit my style and my approach and my strengths particularly to help me do what I'm trying to do? So for you, one of the things that we talked about kind of before we started recording was advice that you'd give to mm-hmm. young folks who are considering entrepreneurship, making a, a change, side hustle. What kind of advice would you have if I'm a, a 35-year-old who who is just trying to figure out whether or not I want to take that that step? What what would you sure. what would you say to me? How, how would I do it? Yeah. What what are the pros and cons? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is, uh, and this is this, with everybody having to work from home right now, I think one of the things we're going to see is actually a resurgence in people having hobbies that they don't try to get paid for. You know, that seems like a novel idea. Like let's let's just enjoy something that we're not trying to put a business around. I so I think sometimes the first question I would ask you is is what you're trying to do 
is it just a professional hobby or is it a business idea? I think some people try to take professional hobbies and turn them into business ideas and it's not going to work. So I would say, for, is this a hobby or is this something you think is a legitimate business? Second, and then if it's just a hobby, let it be a hobby. You don't have to make money off everything you try to do. Like you can just enjoy stuff. That's totally fine. So I would say the first thing is decide, is it a hobby or is it a business thing? If it's a business idea, the second thing I would say is if you're trying to dip your toe in this idea of entrepreneurship, in other words, if you want to turn a side hustle or a, a passion project into a full-time income, my biggest thing is you need to figure out how to make it to where you jump off the curb and not jump off a cliff. These people who are out there saying, you know, throw it all to the wind, give it everything you've got, just, you know, you're going to cause so much stress on yourself. If you're married or have a partner or if you've got kids, you're going to cause stress on them. You're going to cause stress on your extended family. You're going to cause stress on your relationships. Like, why do that to try to rush to build a full time income or a full time business off this when, let's say, you take another six, 12, 18 months and build an off ramp? And so you then control when you off ramp and you have stability and you've proven you can do it and you're not throwing your life away. I mean, if you're in your 20s or even your 30s, Lord willing, with your health, you've still got another 30 to 40 good working years ahead of you. You very well, like me, could have more years ahead of you doing work, contributing good work and being your own boss than, than you've been alive right now. So why would you rush it? In order and throw every and create such tremendous risk when that's not necessary, where you can decide, you know what, for the next three months, I'm going to get up every morning and from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., that's my time to work on this thing. Or from, you know, after the kids go to bed, if you're married and got kids, from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. I got a friend of mine who's got four kids. He did that for a long time. 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. was his side business, was a project he was working on while he still had a full time freelance job building websites, but he didn't want to do that anymore. He's trying to run this other company. So he did the 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. thing for a long time. And then now it's flipped to where he doesn't do his freelance work anymore. He's got this other company he started and it's running strong. And he's got, you know, a half dozen contractors that are part-time basically employees for him. And he's doing really well. So figure out how to make it jump off a curb, not a cliff. Because if you jump off a cliff, that is scary. But a curb is what, four inches? <laughs> it's not, nobody's, nobody over the age of, you know, eight months is scared to jump off a curb. So try to make that transition as easy and smooth as possible. And you're going to create a lot more stability and you'll, you'll prove you can make money before you ever have to prove you make money, right? If you've got a full-time job with benefits and vacation and, you know, 401k and sick days and all that, leverage that and then prove that what you can do on the other side is sustainable and can make money. And then you can devote full-time attention to it. Well, and I want to press down on that for just a minute, Wes, because I, I think that's great advice from any age. You, you mentioned earlier kind of that, 65 and and quit uh you know for a lot of folks that i deal with who are are still young and working but not in their 30s one of the biggest sources of potential future income is consulting or speaking or industry related things or they've built a hobby that that could be kind of a side business and i think that the idea of, uh, and I'd be curious you know, of your experience with others because you work with a lot of, of entrepreneurs that regardless of your age, being able to build that side kind of opportunity can be great for you know, when you get to a point where you just don't want to do your regular nine to five anymore, regardless of how old you are. Mm-hmm. We live in such an instant society. I mean, we're a it's not, and it's not a millennial problem. It's not an age problem. It's a societal problem because we're in a microwave culture. But 
the reality is, you know, this chip and you're already a lot of your audience does too, to build last, to build a strong business tends to be not always, but tends to be a crockpot approach. You've just got to give it time, you know, and again, who cares if it takes another, even if you're, you know, you're older, you're not in your thirties, a little bit older, who cares if it takes another 12 or 18 months to really figure it out and nail down what that thing is? Because you, what's the worst that happens? You take another 12 to 18 months to figure out what the next 15 or 20 years of your life could be like if you have greater control over what's ahead. Like, yeah, I'll take that trade off a hundred times, <laughs> you know, out of a hundred is figuring out, okay, how do I, how do I, how do I capitalize? I mean, there's a couple of ways you can do these kind of things. One is, and I think it's where you're going, is figuring out how do I best capitalize my head, right? The things that I know to where you're able to maximize and scale based on your experience. I mean, one example, you see this a lot with guys who have been in leadership roles at Disney, right? They hit the speaker circuit, they write the books, they do the consulting, they have the events because Disney is a global brand of what, 300,000 employees, probably one of the very handful of household names globally. I mean, they are playing in big leagues that probably five to maybe 10 other companies play in, in terms of brand recognition. They've been around a hundred years, over a hundred years and, uh, or about a hundred years. And they are, you know, so these guys leave, but the reason you would use those, the reason you buy books from a guy named, like a guy named Lee Cockrell, who is former senior vice president of operations for Walt Disney World that currently employs 70,000 people in Florida is because his head is full of a lot of wisdom. Like he is a smart dude who's dealt with a lot of complicated stuff. And so how can you scale your head knowledge so that you're, it's the speaking, it's the consulting, it's the online courses, it's the writing a book, et cetera. And then it's your hands. What do you do with your hands? These are the things where you're down in the weeds, helping companies walk through these things as you're teaching, walk through the strategic plans or walk through the marketing plans or walk through the operational processes or whatever. So you look at the kind of models that you want to do and look at the kind of ways that not only are, how do you build a business plan that's going to generate revenue, but more importantly, how do you build a business plan and look for a model it's going to support your life. Because I'll be honest, Chip, this is one of the things I learned when we worked, when I worked with you three years ago. Uh, and it's an approach that I take with every client. That is, how do I learn something from this client, right? How do I learn in this project something about business, something about life, something about entrepreneurship, et cetera? One of the things I learned from you and your approach, you call it the signature life, is it is a whole life. We don't have separate professional and personal lives anymore. You know, because I, you can be at work and get texts from your spouse. You can be at home and get emails or texts about work. Like there's just so much integration now with it. If you, or if you're trying to own a thing or start a business, just go ahead and figure out how those two things are integrated. How do you structure it in such a way? How do you plan and think about it in such a way where you're going to have the right mix based on what you want? Are you trying to work 30 to 35 hours a week because you've got kids and grandkids you're wanting to spend more time with? Are you wanting to work 45 or 50 hours a week because you know it means a little more travel and you and your spouse can go to some really cool cities while you go to visit clients? Like, Look at ways to structure it so that it's your whole life because when you become the business owner, the business is just a division of you, Inc. Right? And you, Inc. also includes your home, your relationships, your family, et cetera. And you're now running two divisions of you, Inc. And figure out how to make those two divisions work too well together to support your vision as CEO of you, Inc. For sure. And, and I think that all of us, w- whether we are uh, regardless of age or stage, is in that situation where we've got multiple demands and what we really want more than uh, a speedy time not to have to go to work is really just generally a life that we're happy in. There are a lot of uh, of ways to get there, but one of the things that you touched on was talking about wisdom and, and and being able to 
monetize or capitalize on your experience and, and what is in your head. One of the things that I tell a lot of our younger advisors is that there's a big difference between information and wisdom. You know, the only way to get wisdom is to take information and add experience. And so for a lot of us, if you've done something for a long time, then you have that experience. You can help others get there faster, pressing the easy button with some of those consulting to benefit from your wisdom. But one of the things that, as you were talking, that that dawned on me is that's great for a, an older executive who's been doing something for a couple of decades. You know, your job, you've already developed your skills. But for a younger person, you know, my oldest son is, is 20. You have time to intentionally build your skill development for what you want. And, and one of the, the smarter uh, young folks that I've talked to was telling me how their approach was that with each job, rather than focusing on what the pay was or what the title was, they wanted to know what they could learn because they viewed that as a, a, a time investment in themselves, maybe an opportunity cost. For younger people, you have the ability to intentionally build something. And and for those of us who've been doing our work for a a long period of time, you have the ability to pass on and and capitalize on the fact that you already do have that experience. So I think it can kind of go both ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And it's, you know, I always, when I talk to people who are starting to do what I do specifically with marketing and story brand, I'll say that when it comes to projects and it comes to work, everything, and this is something, frankly, in life, like we're something I'm even evaluating now as we look at this coronavirus kind of season we're in where everything's shut down and things are transitioning and the, the markets are just like a ping pong ball on a microwave, it feels like, is I think everything in life falls into one of three buckets. And per, this is particularly true when you're starting to start your own business. The first bucket is what can I do or what can I control? Like what is, what is, what is going to be my best chance for success? Right. So I'll say things like there are certain, and these are the things in the bucket where I say, if the client's right. So if, you know, for me, if they're not a jerk, (laughs) if the client's right, these are the kinds of things, the kinds of work that I'm always going to do. Right. Then there's the bucket where things that are normally would be either outside of my influence or control, but in this case, it's things that I just am not going to do. Right. Things that I should just let go. And the reason I would say not to do those is, and the reason I'd say keep that list is because one of the best ways to figure out who you are is by starting with who you're not. And the only way you're going to figure out who you're not is over time. So for me, the what I'm not going to do bucket started out really empty, frankly. I knew there were probably a couple of things I wouldn't be particularly good at. I had a hunch, but I wasn't entirely sure. So I just said, you know what? Early, especially early on, every everybody who if the if the project seems pretty close, if the scope seems about right, you know, as long as the client just doesn't give me any kind of bad vibe, so to speak, then I'll try it. Right? I, I'll. It may take me three times as long as it should, but I will give it a shot, and then I'll learn. I'll look back, kind of run a post mortem, and say, you know what? That was. I'm just going to add this to the don't do bucket. It was a lesson learned. Uh, you know, for me, that bucket's gotten a lot bigger over the last three and a half years because there's certain types of projects or certain types of industries or other things that I may look for and go, that's, I'm going to pass that on because that's not the right fit for me. It's just experience. And then the third bucket is what, what can you do? And, or in, in certain seasons is what can you influence? And the can do bucket is things like I could do these things if the client was pretty close or the project was pretty close. If the work was about this, I don't love it. I don't hate it, but it just kind of is there. <laughs> right. And these are the things where it's like, Hey, the economy's slowing down. 
So what do I need to try to do? What, what will I do in my can do bucket? What will I do in my, uh, what will I either promote or what will I take, you know, in this season of uncertainty to keep things not only surviving, but thriving. So start with very, so start with those three buckets. What, what will you do? What will you not do? And then what can you do? And then after every project, after every approach, after every client say, okay, what did I learn? Does anything I just did need to fall into one of those three buckets? And if so, put it there and then realize over time, you're going to get a lot clearer about who you are. You're going to a lot clearer about the clients you ought to serve. You're going to get a lot clearer about the kinds of work you should do, which interestingly enough, the clearer you get there, the more likely your business is going to grow because people are drawn to clarity, not confusion. And the, the more you understand what you can offer, the more you can talk about it and the more you can attract the right kinds of people. And the more you focus on the things that you enjoy and that you like doing and that are your unique ability, the longer you're willing to do them. I, I think that's the other thing is that by focusing on these things, by making choices that limit the things you wouldn't do, and by paying attention to those those things, you can build a, a career, a business, a life that that works and that works for a long time, you know, people who are enjoying what they do aren't in a hurry to leave. And whether you're, you know, in, in your 30s or in your, you know, 60s, nobody wants to go to a job they don't like and they want to find a way out. I, I think that a lot of what I talk to people about isn't that they don't want to work, it's that they don't want to do what they're doing anymore. And, you know, for a lot of those folks, they can do. Almost anything. It, it, it doesn't. You mentioned the capitalizing on your head and your hands. For folks who've reached a certain point, your hands can just do things you like to do, whether you get paid or not. You know, I have a client who, you know, we talked about his enjoying doing woodwork. And, you know, we talked about him getting a job at Lowe's, not because he needed the money, but it would give him something to do and it would have him around people doing projects and things that he enjoys talking about. And, and I think that that's, you know, that, that's really at the end of the day, you know, limiting those things that we don't want to do anymore. Having that, you know, that list of things that I would do, uh, again, in a period of uncertainty, especially for entrepreneurs, uh, you you look at the the restaurant industry, for example, you have plenty of restaurants who for a long time maybe wouldn't do takeout. Or they're doing takeout now, you know, and they're they're dialing in and, and figuring it out. And I'm a big fan as a planner of thinking about that kind of bucket ahead of time. Like, it, you know, it, these are the things that I would do if I were in a situation. And those can become your, your project work, your consulting work, kind of that off-ramp mm-hmm. that you were talking about exactly. earlier. Well, Wes, uh, one of the things as we kind of wrap up that I'm – curious about is, you know, we talked about kind of some of the early struggles and not knowing what to do next, but I'd also like for you to be able to share kind of what it's like now. So you've made mm-hmm. the transition, you sure you, you dealt with the uncertainty. What are things like for you now? Yeah. So things like now, you know, it's as you grow a business, uh, you're going to enter new levels, right? You're going to come in and you're going to be on the ground floor just doing stuff, <laughs> doing handling all the client work, handling particularly in marketing, when you're, you start out a little bit of a freelancer, that's the role you're in. And then you eventually transition to become, how do I not just do the work? How do I, how do I create and lead and grow a company? So it means your, your world obviously has to shift. So like right now, even in the last 10 days is this, you know, we're recording this kind of mid to late March of 
of 2020. And we've mentioned this coronavirus thing. So even now I've kind of pushed pause on a few long-term plans because I don't know what's going to happen, but trying to figure out how do I move into a role now where I leverage this season for not only now, but for the future. So it's been, how do I look at this as an owner and not just an operator? What, what can I do in this season to streamline things so that this becomes a better, you know, revenue generating asset, frankly, looking at it like an investment. And that's been the big, that's been the lingering thing in my own mind for a very, for a long time now, having worked with people like you and other financial advisors and things like that is how do I treat this less as somebody who runs it, but less as more somebody who owns it. Like I would treat an investment where I get a return without having to do all of the work. So that frees me up to then maybe pursue other things or start new divisions or whatever. So these days it's things like, you know, what can I, what new products or services can I offer for this season that might work long-term? How do I also spend a little time thinking, reviewing how we operate and what we do to be more efficient and better prepared so that when the economy does come back strong, we're better poised to go out there and get more projects and move more quickly and provide better results and be a lot more efficient and be even leaner than we are now. You know, what would it look like to possibly start a whole new service line by Q3 of this year? Starting to dream a little bit there. But then it's also the day-to-day stuff of of ongoing business development and then the sales and then making sure the work gets done. I've got a small team of two part-time people right now and I use contractors for everything else. Um, just keep make sure everybody's got what they need, keeping things moving. And quite frankly, Chip, in the last 10 days, it's been a little, I've had to play counselor a little bit. I'm sure you've done that more than anybody <laughs> as much as a counselor. Clients calling me saying, hey, what do we do? Like we're in marketing. How do we market in all this? And helping, you know, people you know, kind of calm down, breathe and figure out how do we need to pivot or what we need to create in order to to move ahead with strength with strength into the uncertainty. Well, and I, I think you, you nailed it and, and your advice on how to kind of navigate through some of that. It, it's interesting as we kind of went through the conversation, uh, I think the folks who are listening would be impressed, you know, from somebody who three years ago was three, three and a half years ago was unemployed and their their job was filling out job applications to being in a place where you've developed something where now you're hiring a couple of, of part-time people and you were working through helping clients right now and, and hiring contractors. It, it is... Yeah, it's the kind of story that a lot of people would would like to to write for themselves. So, Wes, I really appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing your experience. It's been it's been awesome, man. Hey, Chip, I really appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. For sure. Well, folks, if you're listening and this is you, whether you're in your 30s, your 60s, or anywhere in between, one of the things. I'd like for you to take away from this conversation with Wes is the importance of investing in yourself because I I believe that that's the best investment that you can make. Whether you're wanting to figure out how to jump from the curb and not the cliff like Wes talked about, or you're just wanting to take a more gradual approach, investing in yourself, working on your skill development is a great way to begin the process of remixing your retirement. If I can be of help, and and before I go, I do want to mention just a couple of books that I think for those with an an entrepreneurial spirit, Wes mentioned The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I would also mention The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. So anybody who's interested in entrepreneurship to great books. In addition to the Retirement Remix, if you haven't had a chance to check that out on Amazon, uh, I encourage you to do that. But if I can be of help, please don't hesitate to reach out to me, chip at signaturewealth.com. Happy to have uh, a conversation about how it is that you'd like to build your next 
season. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Look forward to talking to you again real soon. We've created a quick guide to help you get started. Go to theretirementremix.com to download the six steps to finding your remix. Or go to signaturewealth.com to learn more about how our financial planners can help you. Subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts or listen at theretirementremix.com. 